Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So I think you're going to really enjoy my next interview with Megalise Samard. She's a programmer from the Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, 40th anniversary, by the way. And um, her apparently her secret film love is The Little Mermaid. And I have to tell you now, she still hasn't seen Star Wars. She's going to kill me for saying that right out of the gate. Anyway, you are going to really enjoy this interview. We talk about the Human Rights Film Festival coming up at uh, TIFF, and it's starting very soon. In the next uh, week or so, we talk about a lot of things. We, uh, we talk about the power of, of film basically to change the way we see the world. And I know it sounds a little lofty, but any uh, cinephile will tell you, uh, including Megley, it's, it's kind of what uh, drew her in in the first place. And I think I can certainly agree. And she talks about uh, uh, her, her own sort of history and, and, and what drew her in. One of the things that I found really interesting that came up in the conversation was this idea of films that are important and great. They leave space for us to think about the issues on our own. And that's exactly what the Human Rights uh, Film Festival is really all about. And it's coming up, like I say, in the very near future. Check it out, tiff.net, Megalisa Mard. You're going to enjoy it. Stay tuned. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined uh, by a very special guest today from the Toronto International Film Festival, or the Lightbox. I'm not really sure. I'll let you correct me in a second here, Megali, but Megali Samard is with us here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me why you're on the show today. What, what, what's coming up that my listeners need to hear about? Well, one of the many things that we show at the Lightbox year-round is our Human Rights Watch Film Festival, which is a bit different for us. We usually solely on our own program, just about everything that TIFF puts together, Mm -hmm. whether it's at the festival in September or throughout the year uh, in our cinemas here or even in some other cities when we sort of go out of the city to to present some stuff. In this case, we partner with Human Rights Watch, the organization, for a film festival of uh, where we present eight titles, uh, all contextualized by uh, guest speakers on stage, and they're all films that, as you can probably imagine, given our partnership, that uh, really treat, that explore, and uh, 
we certainly hope expose human rights uh, breaches uh, from across the world. Um, it's in a way different for a programmer like me who usually sort of picks on her own uh, what she wants to show right. to an audience. In this case, we need these films vetted by Human Rights Watch researchers so that the content, which, you know, obviously we're not, film programmers are not experts in all the subjects that we see documentaries on, um, and they vet the content of the film so that we can present what we think is the best package of films that speak the truth and that are also really interesting for cinephiles. Megalie, can you talk about a film like this, you know, that's, can, can a film like this be entertaining as well as informative? I mean, is that fair to even ask that question? I mean, we're talking about human rights and it's typically human rights abuses, I would think. It's you know? absolutely fair, yeah. It's absolutely fair. I mean, we, we certainly don't want to present any other way than something that's truly engaging. Maybe engaging is... Engaging is a good word. But some of them are entertaining. I mean, they clip along. They have narrative arcs. Uh, we show... In, the, in this year's lineup, uh, just to put people in, in context a little bit, we're showing seven documentaries and one uh, fiction film. Okay. But a lot of these docs, uh, which is the vast majority of the lineup, uh, really clip along. They have a narrative arc built in. Uh, we're not just sort of like aimlessly following an issue. It's not um, hammer over the head about right. being issue films. We really try to present these films, and they're very different from one another. Some are a bit light-hearted in some ways, even if they speak of you know terrible realities, um, whether they're at home or abroad. So yeah, I would say like even our opening night film, I Am Sun Moo, about a North Korean artist defected to South Korea, and he's. Um, partnering with a, an art gallery in China to open his first hmm. show out of the country. It's a stressful situation. He might get arrested. Everybody's on hand. But the whole film is a narrative arc of will we open this show. And right. all of this is um, shown through also the lens of his paintings that are basically pop art that act they look like fake propaganda art that he right. sort of was trained on. So they're extremely gorgeous, um, hmm. poppy-type uh, paintings that really dynamize this movie completely. Uh, right. There's uh, no dead moment in, in a film like this, and for us it's a perfect way to kickstart the festival. Yeah, oh, that's great. So lighthearted's great. So I, I, I'm going to go a little lighthearted right now. Yep. And according to your bio on the TIFF site, you still haven't seen Star Wars. Oh, my God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I have never seen the original Star Wars. Oh, there's a part of me that wants to end our phone call right now. It's uh, that's an outrage. I kind of just want to. <laughs> I, I I won't hold it against you. I saw that's the latest funny. one, which I liked. Yes, um, yeah. But I really, I'm someone with no references that's in that funny. world. It's funny. I'm also not interested in seeing them. Like people are like, right. well, since you last said that, did you see it? And I'm like, no, I literally kind of forgot again. <laughs> <laughs> It's clearly not on your radar. It's, it's uh, not on my radar. That yeah. means that I love blockbuster movies. I love sure. sci-fi and I love action flicks. I just happen to not care about Star Wars. <laughs> Which I know you've probably lost. Like, well, you know, movies. I was pretty young when Star Wars came out. And, and uh, I was Luke Skywalker for, you know, probably the next two and a half years of my life. <laughs> and to say that Star Wars changed my life is probably... Probably a bit of an understatement, but uh, <laughs> of course, when I read that on your bio on your page, I just I laughed out loud. Yeah, maybe and we thought, need to take that off my bio. Yeah, you really do. They're going to work again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You'll be blacklisted from from Pretty various much. various communities around around the world. Um, so let's let's jump back into another yeah. arena, and I'm going to read a quote on the on the press release uh, uh, by you. You know, cinema quote cinema has become the most compelling tool in the human rights movement. 
At a time in our history where the demand for social change is louder than ever, the Human Rights Watch Film Festival and its ability to galvanize change is more crucial than ever, close quote. That was you mm -hmm. that said that. Have you come to believe that? Have you come to learn that over time? Or would you say you've always sort of been, you've always, always kind of believed that? I, I certainly have always believed in the power of film to change our mm -hmm. world if it, or change the way we, I mean, now, I'm, God, I, I sound like um, I'm quoting our, my own company's <laughs> ending, but it's true. It does change the way people see the world. Sure, sure We it hope does. that it will change the world, but, you know, as we all know, first and foremost, it has to come from within. Um, you know, we all watch the news. Uh, some of us watch it sort of like maniacally throughout the day, nonstop, sure. online. It's hard to process this type of information, especially as we consume it like faster and faster and not to say that the information that we're given is inaccurate or not profound enough, but it doesn't leave us a lot of time to sort of seep in these right. realities. And right. to sit now through, say, a 75, 90-minute, 100-minute movie uh, created more often than not by a real film artist, not just um, someone recording what's going on around them, someone that's truly trying to shape the stories and make them understandable and relatable to us and yet leave enough space for us to think on our own mm. within them. That's nice. really a value that these films can, can have for the audience is that's when I think we can process internally things that are so often foreign to us, ununderstand, uh, understandable or not understandable to us right off the bat. And it's through sitting through them to, I mean, the, the fact that we have guest speakers really changes everything. Sure a lot does. of these situations, yeah. you don't need to know what happened in the Rwandan genocide to come see the un uncondemned. You'll get a full recap of that and then an entire law case that went around it. Um, we really don't want to present these films as being unapproachable or for people that already know a lot about these issues. It's a lot about discovery of, of subjects and discovery of filmmakers and for us to kind of wrap our head around it together, you know, the movie experience. I mean, I work for a film organization that presents uh, literally 95% of everything we present is in cinemas. I truly still believe that being together in a cinema for 90 minutes and then talking about it together with the same people that, that with, you know, watching it live with you uh, does make a difference. It's much different than reading news at your desk on your lunchtime sure. or throughout the day when you see posts. Are you ho would you say you're hoping that people would leave a theater? I, I screened Almost Holy this morning, which you mm -hmm. and I just chatted about briefly offline, but brilliant film, uh, as we said, gorgeous to watch, such a difficult uh, subject. Uh, disturbing is an understatement, I think, mm -hmm. and 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 it leaves me with all kinds of unanswered questions. I want to dig deeper. I, you know, but I'm I'm a bit of a film buff. I'm a philosopher by nature. I I, I do dig. Do you want people to leave the theater, you know, heading for the nearest computer to start doing some research? You know, is it about you know social change? Is about I think splash and ripple. It's about incrementalism and 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 mm -hmm. you know making better choices. I guess right. Exactly, and we don't expect everybody to react the same to all films, mm. obviously. Nobody mm. has control over that or should want to anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will see Almost Holy, the movie that you saw this morning by Steve Hoover, who did Blood Brother, which was a big festival success, uh, starting with Sundance two years ago and mm. really had a big, big life, and then came back with Almost Holy, which is set in the Ukraine with this, um, this pastor who's sort of taking into his own hand the problem of drugs in local youth. Uh, in his city, he's a very polarizing figure. He sure is. He does not present a clear case of whether we should think he does great or he should be controlled a bit more. At the same time, he says, okay, I'm not kosher <laughs> in some ways yes, yes, or in most yes, ways, yes. but I feel like the system has abandoned our youth, and 
if I don't do this, literally nothing's going to happen or it's going to get worse. It leaves you in a total state of wonder as to like, wow, first of all, this can happen somewhere in the world right now. Like this is a weird way of approaching it. Like you have scenes like people have not seen it yet as they will hear this conversation, but there's literally scenes of them like at 3 a.m. yanking Yes. Rugged out yes. like nearly like needle and armed kids from gutters as they're super high and can't even understand what's going on. Yank them, put them in a white van, the most terrifying thing for <laughs> any youth. Yes. Uh, and then like forced to sobriety and try to be taken care of and giving them a, a home, which is where they work from, the center that he works at. It's really odd. It's, it is disturbing. It's a disturbing yeah, movie yeah, with images yeah. that you can never forget, but you, it's a yeah. beautifully crafted film. Beautifully crafted film, and I think, I mean, I think at one point, and I don't think we're tipping our hat too much to the film, but, I mean, it really is about responsibility for this pastor, you know? And he says, um, you know, if the, if the p people in power aren't going to do it, then I have to, or we yeah. have to. We as a and society have to. And even if there's in the system that I will use, which is him, if it was a system, there would be even more fails on their part. Like, he distrusts them to a point where he's like, Anything that I can do, even if it's wrong, or yes, that yeah, that's right. Use, it's gonna go quicker too. There's no bureaucracy. There's no nobody signing off on this. But that's at right. the same time, things happen. Like in the end, you wonder: Do we prefer he's there or not? And not. Right. I mean, personally, right. I prefer he's there than not. You know? Yeah. No, I think I think I land in the uh, in the same same place as you. Do you think? I mean, can you? I mean, I certainly could look back in my sort of history of watching films, including Star Wars, mm -hmm. and. Um, see kind of some of those moments that that were life-changing for me that that propelled me forward that that made started me thinking uh, about things differently that you know uh, in, a, in a new way in a new light i saw the world in a different way a new framework a new world view etc open open doors you know we could talk about all kinds of different metaphors and so on um i'd love to know what one or two of those were for you and then i'd love to ask you the question about this whole idea sometimes i wonder um if documentary film is preaching to the converted, you know, these types of important films, like I made the distinction years ago between sort of a great film and an important film. I'm sure I'm not the first one to have done that, but to me, almost totally is both, you know, you yeah. got it, you got to see it on a variety of it levels, is. but it's also important. It is also important. Exactly. It's a great film. I think any cinephile, uh, or hardcore cinephile, like I seem to gather that you are, that I am, that a lot of our audiences are here, no matter the subject of this film, will absolutely appreciate the right. way this film is made, and the people that are in it more to learn about this situation and see it. it's also a complete exposure. It, that's a very achieved uh, piece of journalism sure. in that sense as well, and that's really what this series truly is about. I mean, we often show great films, we often show important films, but not always will we concentrate on a full series that for every film to be in, they kind of need to meet these criteria. They have to be compelling and also mm -hmm. great for people that love cinema and the arts of, you know, crafting it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a hopeful cynic. I really am. I, I, I think this, this movie, and I think others like it, and uh, do in fact change the way we see the world. I really believe that. But sometimes I wonder, I'll walk out of a film like Almost Holy This Morning, or many others, and think, wow, Everyone needs to see that, mm -hmm. and, and sadly, everyone won't. Everyone won't. That's absolutely true. That's why, you know, <laughs> series are important, festivals are important. Mm. This film is not going to come to theaters. Or <laughs> if right. it does, it will be a very short run. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's, um, 
you know, that's more likely the case of a lot of docs unless yes. they're the massive, massive sort of art stars of the year that end up with a lot of nominations and travel the world and, you know, get Netflix deals and things like that. They don't get heavily consumed. That being said, the past decade has been a bit of a crazy heyday for sure. documentaries and documentarians. I mean, the 90s and even the 2000s did not have as many sort of famous documentarians as we have now. Um, they now, like, if I think of last year, like Joshua Oppenheimer with The Act of Killing and yes. the follow-up look of Silence, uh, Laura Poitra with um, Citizen Four, and who's now launching a huge series uh, partly funded by the BBC, a documentary journalistic type series. These people have huge creative control and huge industry control in their world. Uh, documentaries sell to distributors and to networks for way more money than they have uh, 10, 8 years ago. It's a really great time. A lot of them get released and a lot of them make money, which is not something that every decade has seen. So sure, you know, I would say that like of the films that we're showing, we don't want to just show films that will come to theaters. We also f want to find the gems that sure. yep. are rare. And like, you know, if series like this don't show these films, then literally like good luck seeing them. So well, it's so, you know, it's like TIFF, right? For what is it, yeah. 360 films you guys bring? And, and, and how many of them are actually going to make it into the theaters? Not oh, it's a that many, right? No, it's not that many. It's a fraction. I mean, and yeah, what a glorious opportunity. <laughs> it is right? a glorious opportunity. And yeah. the good thing is, like, in a case like this, we present one film a day. So at least, you know, during TIFF, it's literally, like, for people, it's like an embarrassment of riches as to it is. which one to pick. You always wonder if you're making the right choice. You get this sort of, like, anxiety around <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. Sleep over it. Yes. Uh, yes, I hear I hear your sales of, of Prozac and clonazepam go up <laughs> significantly during Toronto International yeah. Film Festival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Well, we should, like, give some with <laughs> That's right. heavy purchasers. That's right. I think you should. Yes. <laughs> so but do you yeah, think, do you think there, do you think, yeah, do you think there's a sense that, 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 I mean, I, I remember seeing a really brilliant film, uh, one of my favorite countries in the world where I do a lot of work is Cambodia. And, mm -hmm. and a friend of mine who's a filmmaker has become a friend of mine, Kalyani Mam, um, yeah. uh, River Changes Course, a brilliant, yeah. brilliant, beautiful film. In fact, we brought her up here to uh, the Bloor Cinema and we showed it and we had a cute, it was like this little sort of one-off mini fundraising film festival and it was really cool and wonderful. And I remember a couple of people saying to me that they actually couldn't watch the film because it was so dull. And I just... I'm always stunned yeah. by that because the room, it was a beautiful response. And I mean, and then Kalyani would say the same thing. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't win over everybody, right? You can't get you everyone. In, you just can't, right? No, but and it's tough to sort of get over the few, those types of comments because you kind of start thinking, oh, is it indicative of the whole room? But it's... Uh, Oh, it so wasn't in this case, it that's so for sure. No, exactly. no, no. It's Standing so ovation, wonderful Q&A, you know, great response since, you know. So, yeah, no, it wasn't. But you just kind of go, should you sort of just ignore those criticisms entirely? Or, you know, I just I mean, we listen to the audience at the same time. I mean, we feel very confident in the films that we show. Like, you know, we picked eight films, but I literally watched at least 170 films. That wow, that's Subject matters of the source. Incredible. So, you know, if someone comes in and, like, says that something was extremely dull for them, uh, there's really nothing else I can do for them in that sense. It's like, I've literally reviewed everything that's made in the past year around subjects of uh, human rights uh, breaches. And yes. This, we think, represents... So, so other than wrestling people to the ground, what do you do when somebody says to you, oh, you know what, I just want to, you know, I just want to be entertained. 
Like, well, don't, you know, don't preach to me. Don't, don't, don't tell yeah, me yeah, don't how horrible me. this world is, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, we, it's, it's hard to, to, to respond to that in a way to, yeah. to me. It's like, well, you know, I hope you did learn something out of yeah. it. One of my best friends who works here, not in film programming, but an avid uh, film goer, always says like, I, any day will take a boring documentary over a boring fiction film. Cause at least at the very least, even if I'm suffering through it, I will learn something out mm. of it. Nice. It's a true situation, you know, that, yeah. that's happening somewhere. It may not be the best. In this case, I do think they are the best, but um doesn't mean everybody will agree. And the thing is, like, I, the audience that comes to this is typically interested in the first sure. place. Like, the, right. it's actually called the Human Rights Film Festival, so they're not completely blindsided. By <laughs> that's the right. I hope that they're <laughs> not. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is not like movies about fashion. And that's right. Yeah. Things like that. Um and so they're kind of already interested. They know that, some, you know, some subjects they might know a little bit about, some they may not. They always have favorites. A lot of them come to way more than one film throughout the series. Some people come to like seven or all eight films. Um, it's, you know, it's in which I champion and, and I'm impressed by, like to say, oh, for the next seven days, I'm only going to watch films about human rights violations is quite the commitment. At the same time, as we said earlier, it's important for us to have like, very diversified stories. Um, you know, our film on LGBT this year, sorry, Inside the Chinese Closet mm -hmm. is about young gay people in Shanghai whose parents and sort of background force them to go into straight marriages, but everybody knows, you know, every, right. everybody that's close to them, like the parents that are insisting on this and the kids themselves know that um, this is arranged, uh, right. but it's arranged on both sides. So it's a gay woman marrying a gay man so that their families are happy, and they have these apps on their phone that literally it's like it's a Tinder kind of app for that purpose. So it's like, let's just find a match with someone I can actually like tolerate or e hopefully, in the best-case scenario, at least be friends with, and maybe we can have a child together. Childbearing seems um, off more often than not like one of the key part of of those unions, uh, but the film isn't, you know, hammer over the head, sad, or, you know, there's no, uh, there's none of that. It's more like they're kind of fun lives, very unfortunate that they're forced into this. They're trying to b make the best out of it. It's very moving, too, when they kind of find someone they can at least do a little bit with, all the while um, realizing that they can't marry who they want, which is something for them to, that really sinks in as they're going through that process. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of both. You you called yourself, you referred to yourself as a cinephile. I mean, I guess you kind of have to be to work there in some respects. What pulled you in? Was it one film? Was it a series of films? Was it a, a under, I, undergraduate degree? What what was, yeah, it certainly wasn't Star Wars, that's for it sure. It was Star Wars. <laughs> I, you know what? It was Star Wars. I wanted to prove that you didn't have to. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Last Tur mission to prove turning that you don't it, need this. Turning it on its head, yes. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of everything. I have to uh -huh. credit my parents for exposing me to um, international films from uh -huh. a very young age. I'm That's from Quebec, and we always awesome. saw a lot of movies with subtitles at <laughs> a young age. You know, I wouldn't say that I was in love with all of these films. I'm not going to pretend I was. I am not to this date, obviously. Still very critical of it, but yes. Um, and you know, they did a lot of that. And the film, like, if I can name a film that really was, you know, you mentioned like the film from the people you know and. For me, like in when I saw Alain René's Hiroshima Mon Amour, mm. the French film, 
fabulous film, definitely a cinephile's movie, like zero entertaining. <laughs> um, like rock bottom, not entertaining. Right. Uh, but honestly, that's the sound bite. Time, that's, yeah. that's what the filmmaker <laughs> wants in the review. On the Criterion DVD, <laughs> on the poster. Um, but honestly, like to me, one of, one of the most enthralling, magical piece of cinema ever hmm. made. Hmm. And I remember like renting the little VHS tape because uh, I liked the title, and it was a French film, and I wanted to get to know cinema a bit more. I was like a young teen, and my parents went to bed, and I put it in. Mm. Other people were watching other things when their parents went to bed, but I watched Alain René. And, wow. um, and I wouldn't say that I liked it down, but I was, it kind of like triggered something in me mm. that was mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God, cinema can be completely different and mm-hmm. not follow narrative paths that we're used to. It's not telling me the same story I don't feel like I'm being treated like an audience, treated like a child who just needs to hear the same thing to feel comforted. I'm totally out of that zone. Uh, and I hope to, I hope there's more of those films, you know, and of course there's a gazillion. Um, so that was a trigger. I, I really remember fondly, the, like, I remember the TV set. I remember that the image was in Wow, <laughs> you know, I, that's I really cool. remember the light in the room. Like, it's, it's yes. a very fond memory for me. And, um, and so I've been a big fan of Renee, of course, uh, following that when I really got to get seriously into it. And then, yes, I studied film in Quebec and at University of Toronto and quickly after that started working here at TIFF. Night, night, night and Fog was uh, oh, yeah. was a film for me Animal that I was movie. quite unbelievable film. You know, with one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest docs ever made. What is it, 27 minutes long? I mean, it's short. It is. It and is it absolutely it a masterpiece. I agree. It's so powerful. And, and And I have a similar experience as you. I don't remember the television. I, I don't know where. I think I saw it in in a high school class maybe clearly uh, a progressive teacher of some kind maybe yes, yes, ma- ma- maybe showed us clips and i think i was struck by the the, the i think uh, at the risk of sounding pretentious the juxtaposition and mm-hmm. and yep. the and and the, the um i think the existential sort of cry and i think in in some ways i can look back and say that that was a part of why i ended up reading philosophy later in life and then actually studying it academically you know oh. to say how the hell did we end up here yeah, how, how how could we possibly get to this you know yeah how can the path of humans for yeah. a short amount of time get I mean, what a great human rights film, right? It is. I mean, it's just, yeah, well, that's interesting. It's fun to, fun that we we sort of share that that piece of Mm -hmm. commonality there. That's cool. Well, you know, I wish, I mean, I wonder, I wish we all had those stories, right? I wish yeah. we could all talk about those films, and I and I think that's part of what keeps me going to to see docs and and to to watching them is that um, I'm <laughs> I want everybody to be excited about the movies that I watch. <laughs> Same that, here. I mean, do, when you have you know? this, well, it's like you know, p- people constantly talk about you know their best restaurants because they're yeah, right. real experiences. Right. Right. Um, like you know, on a much more basic level. Uh, same with films. When we have these absolutely visceral reaction, whether we watch, you know, I always refer to like the in-cinema experience because I'm very close to it, but it can be at home, it can be it can mm-hmm. be on Netflix, it can be on Amazon, it can be on YouTube. Um, but you have this moment and you don't want to be alone in it. I mean, mm-hmm. these are cultural artifacts uh, that are made to be discussed and shared. It's I mean, good. made for it's audiences. Good. It's, it's yeah, so Share, shared in a community. Talk. Shared, yeah. shared in the community. I think, yeah. uh, no, I think that's brilliant. I mean, in in relation to the Human Rights Film Festival, isn't it? Isn't this really about becoming better humans? And can't and don't we become better humans in the context of community? I mean, I I think so. I think so too, and I think that you know, being confronted even to situations that are so far removed, 
mm. some of these films tell tell stories that like really have are very hard to connect to our lives here. Yes. Um, seem so foreign, and sometimes they seem so foreign that they seem that like they're from the past. Right. It's like true. Like we have no power over any of this. Like no matter how we or we are, you know, we're all cynical for reasons. We know how power is powerful and how change is difficult to make happen. So we get cynical to a point where we kind of like shove difficult things like as if they're from the past, like we have no no agency over any of it, whereas we do. I mean, sure, you, me, watching these films don't directly have an impact on these things, but, you know, again, I don't want to sound cliche either, but the more the people know, that's yeah. always the first yeah. step. That's always, always the first step. And on a more sort of, I would say, I don't know if it's a humanist level but, or a self-searching level, but to be confronted to situations so foreign to us, so different from our lives, opens new little doors within oneself so that the next time you see something similar or the same kind of breach mm. uh, that may not be of the same nature but of the same flavor, if I can say, sure. at home, it clicks way quicker Sure. because it's no longer the first time you heard it. So within you, you even know how to react. You've sort of gone through that sort of like mental internal philosophy sure, of sure. like what do I think of this and you Pro- provides a per- provides a perspective it does and yeah. you suddenly have a new grid in your brain sure. somewhere that can deal with that so I, I already know I think some of the answer to this question just getting to know you in 26 minutes and five seconds here on on online I know. but you must you you clearly are are hopeful I mean you I, I mean, maybe maybe you're not, maybe you're not, but but I'd like to hear about hope. I mean, obviously, that's what this Human Rights Film Festival is about. It's what Human Rights is about. It's uh, or at least Human Rights Watch is about. At least yeah. I should say. Yeah, tell tell me a little bit about that. It's excellent question. Oh my God, it's uh, it's a big something. To, that's something to go within yourself. Am I hopeful? I think one. To be perfectly honest, I think one of the reason I'm most attracted to programming this series and partnering with Human Rights Watch is that I think I am a cynic at mm. heart, mm-hmm. and I think this has completely turned my head around mm. on a lot of stuff in the past three years of working on it. Uh, I'm now constantly watching these films year-round to get yeah. through this throughout the year, throughout the festivals. Um, I have a special eye out for these, uh, for this type of content. And to meet the filmmakers, to meet the journalists that have worked on these cases, to meet the lawyers that are involved in these movies, whether they're on the screen or behind the scenes, having done some of the fight, you know, uh, that a lot of these films are portraying, um, it's to see that, that people do work to change things and to be exposed to it constantly kind of proves to you that there is no reason to always be cynical or resistant or just kind of like fighting the idea that people can really make things happen. And I think that's what, deep down, that's why I want to even push myself to never part from it. Mm. You know, sometimes within you're just, you know, you're afraid you'll go in the overly cynical route of just like, oh, well, you know, that's the world we live in or right. What's a tiny bit of change, really? That's got, that could be overturned so fast in two years. You know, all this work to be overturned, and I don't want to go there. I'm a young person who certainly does not want to go there, but I understand that a lot of us get there without really wanting to. And to me, art and in my life is very especially film has has been the the keeper of showing me that we're good and we can do things. You know. I, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I, I think that's part of the reason, too, why I do the work I do. I think it's part of the reason why I continue to like to ask questions and why I read and why I watch film, because I, as much as I, I think I share that with you, I really am 
pretty, I guess realistic maybe is another way to look yeah. at it, but, yeah, but I think you're right. pretty cynical, but at the same time, really do want to reach out beyond my grasp and say, we can get there and it's yeah. going to take some time. And I think, you know, almost totally this morning, the film, and I hope everyone goes to see it that's listening, um, it's really dark and it's, it's challenging, but y you kind of go, hang on a minute that there, there, there are some good things happening here and yeah. change is occurring, you know? And, and I think, you know, instead of walking away feeling powerless and what a horrible world we live in, I come away going, wow, what, how can I get involved? Where, yeah, how can know? I get involved? How can I just even discuss this type of content with others? Uh, it kind of gives the ball rolling in yes, internally as a good person way. and then yeah. people around like, um, it is, especially this movie that you saw this morning, Almost Holy, is like, that's we're closing the festival with it because it's so, so, so strong. It's and Steve Hoover will be here. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that night. Yeah, I can't wait to hear uh, him talk about this. I may have movie. to try and come out and see it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, we thank you so much for your time today. Why don't you tell us uh, sort of the, the, the details? Because um, we're going to get your podcast up online as soon as possible. Um, Absolutely. But what, yeah, tell us when it starts, when it ends, et cetera. Eight, we know there's eight films, seven docs, one narrative. Yes, seven docs, uh, one narrative. It's from March 30th to April 7th. We kick off with I Am Sun Moo about the North Korean artist who had to move and close it almost uh, wholly on April 7th. Um, all new films, a lot of them are premieres for North America and for Canada, so a lot of these films have not been seen, and two of the films are going to get more major releases mm. uh, later in the spring, and that's Deepan, uh, which one, the Palm Door, uh, and The Pearl Button by Patricia Guzman. Uh, so if you have not caught it uh, basically in Cannes or in, uh, at TIFF in September, at its two screenings, this is the one time to see it in this building. Uh, two fabulous movies. Um, the festival has grown through the years. We get more people every single year to come out, and we have speakers to contextualize the films and really introduce the audience to this type of content every single night. Well, that's great. Megalie Samard from uh, Toronto. Uh, the, is it, do I say from the Toronto International Film Festival? Yep. You're, yep. She's, she's a programmer. She's been there uh, since uh, 2010. Human Rights uh, Film Festival. Check it out. Thanks a lot for your time today, Megalie. I, I hope we can do uh, a part two down the road. I think we just barely scratched the surface I here. I completely agree. <laughs> Thank you. You're very engaged. Thank, thanks so much. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.